Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. Before I continue, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can. Just go to patreon.com slash Canada EHX. I will be hosting a Zoom history conference on September 27th at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. It's all about the 1915 Edmonton flood, the worst flood in the history of the city. And it's free. All you have to do is email me at craig at canadaehx.com and I will register you for the conference. The conference runs for about 45 minutes. The Korean War is sometimes called the Forgotten War because it did not always receive the remembrance of the First and Second World Wars. Canada had a huge impact on the Korean War, and one of the biggest and most important battles was the Battle of Kapyong, fought by various parties from April 22nd to 25th, 1951. We will be focusing on the night of April 24th. The battle was fought between the Chinese People's Volunteer Army and the United Nations Command Forces, made up primarily of Canadian, Australian and New Zealand troops. The Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry Regiment had arrived in Korea under the command of Colonel Jim Stone in the last part of 1950, and things were slowly quieting down in the Korean War, with the North Koreans pushed back across the border. It was expected there would be little in the way of combat now, but when the Chinese entered the war on the Communist side in 1951, everything changed. By mid-April, the Chinese were withdrawing past the 38th parallel in an attempt to lure the UN forces into a situation where they would be subject to a counterattack. This was unleashed on the South Korean Army on April 22nd. The 27th British Commonwealth Infantry Brigade, of which the Princess Patricias were attached to, were ordered to protect the South Korean Army in their withdrawal along the Kapyong River in the Kapyong Valley. The valley itself is only three kilometers across at its widest point, but it would be a pivotal point in the Korean War. With the Canadians was the 3rd Battalion of the Royal Australian Regiment, and both were tasked with defending Hill 677. The Canadians, who numbered 700 troops, were ordered to defend the west side of and the Australians the east. The initial attack would hit the Australians, who would suffer 155 casualties, and they were forced to withdraw. The Canadians were then ordered to dig in on the hill and prepare to repel a Chinese force that numbered 5,000. Once the Australians had retreated from the hill, the Chinese began to attack the 700 Princess Patricia troops at 10 p.m. on April 24th. Most of the attacks by the Chinese were at night, in constant waves using mortars, grenades and machine gun fire at the Canadians. One company of Canadian soldiers, numbered 100 men, were attacked by 400 Chinese soldiers. The attack by the Chinese would be pushed back several times through brave acts by soldiers. Private Wayne Mitchell would be wounded, but while wounded he would charge at the enemy three times with his gun, pushing them back. For his bravery he was awarded the Distinguished Conduct Medal. In his citation it is stated that Mitchell had been wounded two times and halted a Chinese assault nearly by himself, firing his gun from the hip to relieve a group of wounded men who were pinned down and thereby covering their own platoon's withdrawal. He refused to be evacuated after four enemy assaults and he stayed at his post the entire night. By the next morning it is stated, At daylight Private Mitchell could hardly stand for loss of blood. 
he would be flown out by helicopter to receive urgent medical care. The military medal was presented to Smiley Douglas for his actions during the battle. His citation reads, On the 25th of April 1951, during the Battle of Cap Yong, a party of 2nd Battalion Princess Patricia Canadian Light Infantry had moved into a dangerous defensive field. Two men were close to a grenade which had been tripped and was smoking. Lance Corporal Douglas instructed them to lie down, rushed forward, and attempted to throw the grenade away. It exploded in his hand, blowing his hand off. Lance Corporal Douglas, by his brave act and complete disregard for his own safety, undoubtedly saved the lives of his comrades. Douglas would survive the battle and be presented the medal by Governor General Vincent Massey. Don Webbs recalls the battle of that night. In a heroic action in the spring of 1951, a cut-off Canadian unit held out on a hill called Cap Yong. Units from other armies on surrounding hills abandoned their positions. The Canadians did not, and it is argued saved the front from collapsing. Don Hibbs was there. I'd say more than 7,000 troops were against us. I'd say there's lots of... There was, we were outnumbered 7 or 10 to 1. The Canadians, who could not now escape, fought on and were supplied by airdrop. I remember the, the planes, and I remember, you know, I wasn't really thinking at that time, gee, are we out of ammunition? Are we out of food? I knew we were out of food. There's dirt, there's dust, there's people hollering. There's people dying on both sides. You can hear them. It was terrifying. I mean, to be, but also, you res resolve the fact that you're there. There's no place to go. Do the best job you can, and do all the firing and all the fighting you can until you can't do it anymore. We weren't going down without a fight, but we're going to go down. We're not going to go alone. D Company would almost be overrun by the Chinese, and in an attempt to save his men who were entrenched below ground. Captain J.G.W. Mills, the commander of the company, called for an artillery strike on his own position. The men in D Company would hunker down in foxholes as 2,300 rounds of shells crashed down on their position for an hour. None of the men were hurt in the attack, and Lieutenant Mike Levy, who stayed with his men in the foxholes, was rewarded for his bravery with a coat of arms in 2003 by Governor General Adrian Clarkson. Oddly, five of his fellow soldiers received bravery medals, but Levy did not until half a century later. While there is some speculation that Levy being Jewish may have resulted in him not getting a medal, I don't know if that's the case, and I can't find anything to back that up beyond overheard accounts. The artillery bombardment would save countless Canadian lives. One soldier would say later, I was there. None of us would have survived if the artillery had not been called. Michael Suboka was part of a mortar unit and describes the battle. This was the beginning of the so-called April major offensive by the Chinese Communist Army. There were 700 of us and 20,000 of them. And there was also about 700 Australians to the immediately to the side of us. So they just simply came in huge waves and surrounded us. We were surrounded for a couple of days. We couldn't get out. Further to the west of us, the British lost a whole battalion, like the British Gloucester Battalion was surrounded, wiped out. There were, of the 700, 800 men they had 
only about 50 survived. The others were killed or captured. Well, I was with a mortar platoon, and we were, we were firing our mortars in support of the rifle companies. About 500 Chinese were advancing up the hill towards our position, but what they didn't realize is that we had six half-tracks sitting there with six 50-caliber machine guns uh, all lined up in a particular road. They must have thought that they had encountered some massive force. They didn't. There were 30 of us sitting there with six 50-caliber machine guns and six mortars. And our mortars, we turned around 180 degrees. We were firing them straight up in the air. And the, the bombs were landing about 100 yards in front of us and, and on top of the Chinese. Another impressive act of bravery came from Private Kenneth Barwise, who was able to recover the lost Vickers machine gun position in D Company. He grabbed the gun and took it back to his platoon. In the process, he killed six Chinese soldiers and would be awarded the Military Medal. Colonel Stone would not allow his men to retreat because the hill was a critical point on the UN front, and keeping it would stem the Chinese offensive. As they were being surrounded by the Chinese, airdrops had to be conducted to provide the Canadians with supplies so they could keep fighting. Eventually, despite outnumbering the Canadians at the start of the battle 5-1, to one, the Chinese began to retreat. The Princess Patricias would be relieved on the front line by the battalion of the 1st U.S. Cavalry Division. By the end of the battle, 10 Canadians were killed, 23 were wounded, while the Chinese had suffered an astonishing 2,000 casualties. Gerald Going would say afterwards, We were surrounded on the hills of Cap Yong, and there was a lot of fire. We were pretty well out of ammunition, and out of food too. We did get some supplies dropped in, but we were actually surrounded. That was a scary moment, let me tell you. Here is Gowing recounting that night. The North Koreans and the Chinese that, that were uh, backing the, the North Koreans, they were coming in, in waves and waves and waves. It, there might have been maybe 40 or 50 Canadians in one one group, and there'd be 2,000 Chinese and North Koreans and another group coming at you. And they never stopped. If their first bunch went down, they shot them. Like if they were shot off, they just walked right over top of them and kept right on coming. I feel sorry for a lot of the Chinese people that come in waves that had no weapons. There were just waves coming, and when one bunch went down, the second bunch come and picked up whatever and walked right over barbed wire fences and everything else. They just draped them over and kept going. You see people coming. You don't know. You shoot, you shoot at them. You don't know if you hit them or not. If they fall, somebody's got them, but you're not sure if you did it. It's a feeling that, that you're next to me, you're my buddy, you're next to me. He's not going to get you if I can get him. Now, with a Bren gun, you can cover a lot of ground, and you can take a lot of shots. And if you hit them, who knows? but they have more than one Brent gunner doing the same thing. 
and they have the other guys that are with the rifles doing the same thing too. So you, uh, you don't know if you shot him or somebody else shot him, but you know that that he's not going to get near your buddy if you can help it. So that's the protection that one another gives to one another if we can do that, if we're in this in a situation like that. Your fear has kind of have, uh, put you above being really scared, but you're scared, you're so scared that you, you're beyond scared. So, well, you, you hear screaming, you hear uh, bursts of fire, you know, like just steady fire steady fire and then all of a sudden it'll break and then it'll start all over again and that goes on and on and on for hours and that's the way it was michael suboka would say years later when we left cap yong we felt very grateful that we had survived because the british to the west of us the whole battalion was wiped out by the chinese there were 50 or 60 survivors out of 700 the holding of Hill 677 would have a massive impact on the Korean War, and it would allow the UN to consolidate their troops for the next stage of operations. The success of the battle would also lead to the defeat of the Chinese offensive against the South that spring, keeping Seoul from being occupied and allowing the South Koreans to retreat. The entire communist offensive of 1951 was halted for a week after the battle, and the rest of the war would see a war of patrols and harassments rather than large-scale attacks. Ray Nickerson describes the battle, and I apologize for the audio in this. Early in the evening, it was dark, when uh, the first contact was made, and uh, uh, we sort of, the, uh, the companies were laid out up the hill, and uh, A Company was down here on the pimple, they called it. It was a little knob sort of thing and uh, that's where the first contact was made when they were coming down they took some uh, uh, under fire from the they were firing on the, on troop movements and that uh, there was an American tank company that was down on the road surface just by there and uh, they come under fire also and and some of the Australian lead platoons and that and then it just went on from there what company were you with at that time a company you were there on the pimple then yes the battle developed from that first contact yes how would you describe how the battle developed that first night? Well, uh, <clears throat> it was really eerie because they were flying, uh, firing uh, uh, parachute flares. Our people were to try and give you some light to see by. And uh, when you looked, they were attacking on all fronts. I mean, it wasn't just 
this platoon getting hit or that. They were hitting the whole hill. And uh, with the parachute flares and that up, uh, you had some light. And really, the hill was just crawling with Chinese. Just crawling with them. Everywhere you looked, it was moving and there was Chinese. They just kept coming and coming and then they stop and then more had come and they stop and it just went on continuously. And then, were there moments when you thought that you were going to be overwhelmed by the numbers? Yeah, kind of thought we were going to get overrun. In fact, uh, B Company, it was for C Company, did get a bit of an overrun. And uh, the company commander called artillery down on their positions to clear the clear the area. Everybody get down in their trenches, and they called down the artillery. We were being supported by the New Zealand artillery, the Kiwis, at the time. The Canadians, along with the Australians, would receive the United States Presidential Unit Citation, the first time that a Canadian unit was honoured in such a way. Corporal Raymond McCartney of Waskatanao, Alberta, would send in a letter home the citation that his battalion received from the Americans. It states, The 2nd Battalion PPCLI was cited for extraordinary heroism and outstanding performance of combat duties in action against the armed enemy near Cap Yong on the 24th and 25th of April 1951. The enemy broke through the main line of resistance and penetrated to the north of Cap Yong. The units listed above were deployed to stem the assault. With persistence, the gallant soldiers held their defensive positions and took heavy toll of the enemy. In some instances, when the enemy penetrated the defenses, the commanders directed friendly artillery on their own position in repelling the thrusts. In a ceremony honoring Korean War veterans, Prime Minister Stephen Harper would say of the battle that it was... For 24 hours, there was intense hand-to-hand -hand combat and unimaginable bravery. When the smoke cleared, the Canadians held, and the communist invasion would go no further. Today, a monument to the Commonwealth forces sits at Cap Yong. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Canadian History X. If you did, please give a rating and review. You can reach me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find hundreds of articles on Canada's history on my website. Just go to CanadaEHX.com. And again, you can become a patron for as little as $3 a month. Just go to Patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. And now a shout out to my wonderful patrons. Aaron O'Hara, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roa, Luke S., Vic Hedges, J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, Spencer M., Renee Beliveau, and Iris Gray. Information comes from the Canadian Encyclopedia, veterans.gc.ca, valorcanada.ca, National Post, CBC, by River and Trail, Schools of the Parkland, Strathconian, University of Alberta, The Gateway, and Veterans Affairs. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.